Welcome to Men Talk, the podcast that takes a deep dive into the world of miscarriage, infertility, infant loss, and stillbirth. Hosted by Daniel Landau, founder of menshelpline.org, we'll be sitting down every week with real guys to discuss their stories, struggles, and triumphs. So grab a drink, sit tight, and let's talk. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Men Talk podcast, where we speak about miscarriage, infant loss, stillbirth, and infertility. Today, we have an exciting guest. His name is Chris Hinshaw, and he hails from Charlotte, North Carolina. Chris, the floor is yours. Feel free to introduce yourself, share your story, and then uh, we'll go from there. All right. Uh, well, my, my name is Chris Hinshaw, obviously, from or living in Charlotte, North Carolina now, but um, let's see. My wife and I have been married going on four years, uh, four years this November. Um we got married uh, she was 29 and I was 31 I believe so we were you know she considered us a little bit older so uh her first her number one priority when we start when we got married was to start trying to have kids um so that's what we did I mean she'd been on birth control from when she was 14 steady 14 to 29 and uh I think she assumed we just throw that birth control away and, and we'll get pregnant well it's not how it worked out so uh, here we are now, uh, close to four years later, uh, dealt with infertility for two, little over two years, something like that. Um, did all the things, did, you know, the IUI, got all the tests done, um, ended up having to do IVF. Um, we didn't waste a bunch of time doing multiple IUIs or anything. My wife just kind of wanted to go to, go to the best, go to what we know we have the best chances. So we did one IUI, it was unsuccessful. So we just went straight to IVF and now we have an 11 month old son. So uh, that's where we're at today. And um, we're not currently talking about more kids, but I'm sure that'll be coming soon. Uh, we're just trying to uh, figure out how to be parents with the one we have. So what was it like for you going through, you know, picking, picking this specific clinic you wanted to go to and jumping from IUI to IVF, like what was that process like from obviously go, you had to go from IUI to IVF. So what happened in between? What was the discussion like? Honestly, <clears throat> honestly, it wasn't much of a discussion. I was more a passenger on this whole ride. My wife is, she's a very strong woman and uh, her attitude is kind of like, I'm going to do what I think is best. And she just expects me to support her. So that's what I did for the process is I just tried to support, but for me, it was all a blur. She didn't, it wasn't too much of a decision-making process. She would just more so come to me and say, I want to do this now, you know? So, and, and as for infertility clinics, there's not many options here in Charlotte. I, I think there may be two. Um, and we went to the one with the best reviews and the things we had heard the, the most about. So our doctor there um, was awesome, still awesome, very level-headed guy, gave great advice, uh, very matter-of-fact, which is what I feel like we needed in during that whole time period. Um, because, you know, you'd get scared or, or, or my wife would get scared about certain things and she'd make a phone call to him over a weekend when he was out of the office and he would call back and basically just be very straightforward and say, you know, after we did the... Um, after we implanted the embryo, um, she had spotting, I think it was eight to 10 weeks later, uh, she was bleeding. We were at a friend's, um, a wedding, a wedding weekend for a friend and, um, she started bleeding. And of course with blood, there's, you know, a lot of fear. So anyway, 
she called him and he basically just said, this is no big deal. Like she, he explained to her what it was and it's no big deal. Uh, but that's who we needed. He was a great doctor. Um, she still has a good relationship with him. I'm sure we'll be going back to him again here in the next year or two for uh, baby number two. Wow. It's really important to have a really good doctor who's open to communication. Cause a lot of times I hear, yeah, doctors have big egos. They don't like necessarily communicating with their patients, but to be able to be in communication when you have a question for them specifically in hard times, dealing with IVF and IUI, you know, it's good that he was responsive. What was it? Like- uh, yeah, we were very appreciative of that. Yeah, absolutely. What, w- what was it like for you doing the IVF shots? Like, did you listen to any types of music when you gave, you know, your wife, wife the shot? Did you, how, how did you handle that? I mean, it's not easy getting shots, even kids and adults you don't like getting shots, but to give your, you know, your spouse a shot, what was that like? So that was, that was honestly difficult. That was very difficult for both of us because she hates needles. I can't remember what the phobia is called, but the phobia of needles, she has that. So uh, you know, she has numbing cream that every time she goes, when she had to go give blood or, or get shots, or whatever, she would like cover her arms in this numbing cream that she couldn't feel the needle. So that kind of sets the stage for how the shot. Uh, because I have a different schedule. I work, I get home late at night a lot of times. Um, and those shots, there were shots we had to do at like six o'clock in the morning before she went to work or whatever it was. It was, it was early for me because I'd get home at 2 a.m. Then I have to give up and give her this shot. And I would get yelled at every single day, first thing in the morning, uh, because I wouldn't do it right. Or like I would go to give her the, the shot in her butt and she would jerk her a second time. And then that was my fault. So what ended up happening with the shots is she just learned to give them to herself uh, because it would start arguments. And, you know, like, like you just said, I didn't want to hurt my spouse. Like I want to do it right. But no matter which way I did it, it wasn't right. Whoever came, I, I, she, she didn't completely overcome her fear, but she did overcome it enough to where she could give herself the shots. So it was probably about half, probably about a quarter of the shots I did and the, the, the remainder of the shot she did herself. Um, so that was just one more thing to, uh, to argue about going through the process, but. You mentioned arguing through the process. One of the things I hear that's really important is open communication. Did you find it was difficult to communicate about everything that was going on, you know, doing an IUI and then going straight to IVF, like, did it make you stronger as a couple? Were there a lot of arguments back and forth? I mean, a lot of times, even during the two-week wait where you're looking to know, is it even successful? It's just such stressful. What was that like? Gosh, yeah, that was, I can remember that stress. I, I can remember, well, specifically the situation where we were at that wedding weekend and she was spotting and we went in, the doctor said, don't worry, but we still went in the next week. And those few days while we were waiting for our appointment to make sure that the embryo was still safe and it was growing healthy. I can remember like when we got the test back in the doctor's office and they said, yeah, the embryo is fine. We just like, I just lost it. Like that was the most stress I think I'd probably ever felt in my life. So going back to communication, uh, I think I mentioned it earlier, but she made a lot of the decisions. She's a very, 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 very strong woman, uh, which is awesome. Uh, but the negative side of that is 
the decision making when it when it has to do with her body and stuff like that she makes the decisions it's not much of a conversation which um is a little frustrating from my side you know i, I want to be part of those decisions i just want to be kept in the loop uh and she kept me in the loop in the way that hey this is what we're doing next and you know i had a doctor's appointment today and this is what we're doing next so um but the whole process, man, the whole process was very challenging on our relationship. And, and we did, I, you know, we had one failed IUI uh, and we got pregnant the first time on IVF and we struggled. Like it was, it's the most difficult thing I've ever done. Um, you know, with like, we were talking about the hormones and all that stuff. So I think communication is extremely important through the process. We did not do very, very good at it. We're both kind of um, strong-headed people, and uh, so um, I think it would be better if maybe I was a little bit more submissive than I am, um, but we're working on that and proper communication in the future. Yeah, it's totally understandable. So many guys struggle with the communication aspect when it comes to IVF and the shots and the stress that goes with it, so you're not alone in that. Mm-hmm. How, how, did, yeah, how, did, how did it affect your job on a day-to-day basis like did it mind that obviously you have a stressful job being a pilot so did it have an impact on your day-to-day work because in the work that I was doing I had a boss who told me you know I understand you're going through this but you still have a quota to hit you still have responsibilities and things to get done so how did this play into the effects on your work did it have any effect at all Yeah, I mean, not, not, uh, I wouldn't say an extreme uh, amount. I wouldn't say that it affected it greatly. Uh, but, um, like you said, it, being a pilot can be a very stressful job and it takes a lot of mental focus and mental clarity. And you've really got to be in the moment while you're making those decisions, dealing with bad weather, dealing with snow and ice and, you know, unruly passengers or whatever it may be. Um, so it just added to, I mean, as I look back on that period of my life, I mean, it was only a year, a year and a half ago, we're going through this process, but it was the whole entire thing was a challenge. It was very difficult. Um, I mean, obviously now, like I said, our son's almost 11 months old. So the juice was worth the squeeze, so to speak, because uh, he's incredible. But I look back on it and it's still, I can still remember how challenging it was and the addition of the stress in my personal life, bringing that into my work life uh, made things worse. The thing is, is I had a bunch, I have an awesome boss. <clears throat> I've got a bunch of really good coworkers. And, uh, you know, when we're in that cockpit and we're up at 37,000 feet and the autopilot's flying, that's a good opportunity for me to talk about what's going on in my life. And I work with a bunch of great people that uh, give great advice and they let me talk and let me vent it out. So, um, I say sometimes that cockpit's like kind of a, uh, what am I, so it's, sometimes it's a place where you can get really good advice, not all the time, but sometimes and at least you can be heard and vent a little bit. Uh, so it was good for that. That's amazing that you had that outlet also. I mean, talk yeah. about communication and able to, to speak about it easily. It's definitely important to have good coworkers. Yeah, I agree. Did you have any other outlets aside from, you know, flying and talking to your coworkers? How did you deal with, you know, the miscarriage, the, IU, the failed IUI, you know, and then going straight, straight into the IVF? How, how did you, how did you deal with it all? Oh, gosh. 
I don't I don't think I dealt with it perfectly. I don't think I dealt with it perfectly. Honestly, the most the, the people I talk to the most the most I have friends, um, but kind of, I I don't know if I've said it before, but I kind of alluded to it. We struggled a bit in our relationship through this process. So luckily I've got a lot of really good friends. I don't have any family here in Charlotte, um, but I would make phone calls and I've got a lot of good friends locally. And and it wasn't so much the, um, the issues with infertility that I was struggling with. It was the issues in our marriage because of the infertility. It was kind of the byproduct that we were having off the back end you know we're dealing with the infertility and that's already difficult but then we're struggling in our marriage too so I, yeah i just have conversations too and and through my you know my faith and stuff like that um i struggled my way through it you know i don't i don't think i i coped uh, i don't think i used too many negative coping mechanisms um it's just a lot of conversation and a lot of you know asking for help and I found the IVF support group, the husband's IVF support group on Facebook. And that was good too. And it feels good to be giving back there now. So there's definitely um, communities out there. Um, not as many as I feel like there should be. It's not as out in the open as it should be. Uh, but I guess that's what you're working on right now. Yeah, absolutely. I agree that there needs to be more out there and the conversation needs to happen. And we all need to remember that we're not going through this alone, that the guy to your left, the guy to your right could have gone through one in four couple, one in four pregnancies end in miscarriage and one in eight couples struggle with infertility. So we're not alone, you know, and the conversation definitely needs to be had. I feel like now as a society, more and more celebrities are coming out and sharing their stories, which I think that's encouraging others to, to share as well. So the conversation is having, and I think also we need to go back to the education, right? We were just talking earlier about, sex education and how people said you know wear a condom don't get go get someone pregnant but yet at the same time there's no talk about well what happens if you can't get pregnant what happens you know if you get pregnant and have a miscarriage like there's just no talk of it and that that definitely needs to definitely needs to change in in the world in society i agree and i hope moving forward as a society we will change that you know i hope uh like you and i were talking before you started recording but that's what that's one of my wife's big things is she's very outspoken on her social media about infertility and i guess this week is national infertility awareness week at least in the u.s yeah it is so every every year when it comes to this is it okay yeah because she's she does this thing on her on her uh, her instagram and stuff like that uh, every week she just answers questions about infertility and stuff like that. So she's That's trying incredible. to make a difference, you know, just with the, yeah, the small, she doesn't have a huge following or anything, but just the small reach she has, she's trying to make a difference and just normalize talking about infertility. You know, it's something that people are ashamed of uh, and it's not something to be ashamed of, but I think society puts that in our heads that like, Oh, you can't have a baby. What's wrong with you? So it's not cool. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's something that is nothing to be ashamed about. It's something that's, you know, you shouldn't feel guilty about either. It's something that is just normal that society really needs to accept now because science is evolving. You know, the cost of treatments will hopefully be going down and things are improving. There's really no reason why the stigma should still be around. And 
everyone needs to talk about it. It's not just one week of infertility awareness. I think the more we talk about it, the more we share our stories, the more those struggles that we go through to help someone else going through it. I think that's, that's really what makes us stronger. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What would be your best pieces of advice to someone struggling with infertility? Like a, a guy, a, a man or a woman or just somebody in general? Well, a guy, I guess like in particular, a guy going through it, let's say. Okay. Man, man to man. I think I feel like men typically uh, you want to keep, I, I don't, I feel like I don't have this struggle. I'm pretty open about how I'm feeling too, but some people I don't want, sometimes I don't want to bother somebody with how I'm feeling, but I think I can speak for most men when I say we all have at least one really good friend that we can take anything to. And I would say utilize that friendship and, and utilize the people around you that care about you and love you to talk because again before you started recording and I feel like uh not from a selfish place but I feel like men are kind of at least in my situation I was kind of forgotten about through the whole infertility process it was like oh I'm doing the shots and I'm going to all the appointments you know and I'm doing this and I'm doing that and you're just doing nothing you just go you know do your business in a cup and that's all you have to contribute and my argument against that was that was a very, very, very challenging time. You know, we got so, or, or my wife got so laser focused on this infertility and fighting it that she completely neglected our marriage and our relationship. And I struggled and, and, and we're still trying to come out on the other side of that. This has been an almost four year process. Um, and we're still dealing with the, the wounds that happened during that time. But <clears throat> what's helped me get through, what's helped me hopefully process properly is my friends and my relationships and people that give me the goods. So I would say utilize your network, you know, utilize the Facebook groups, ask for help, tell people when you're struggling so people can relate to you and you'll understand, hey, I'm not crazy for struggling with this. Like this is normal to struggle with and it's okay. So <clears throat> I guess my number one piece of advice would be talk to people. Yeah, that's really good advice. Too many guys keep it boiled up inside and then one day pop. You know, they have that yep. kind of aha moment. Even myself, like, I didn't necessarily feel comfortable talking to my neighbor about it or mentioning about it because, you know, I, I did have that, not necessarily a shame, but it's, you know, it's a personal, it's a personal journey. It's a personal story. But at the same time, I realized, wait a second, this needs to be spoken about because, it's so popular. Mm-hmm. I agree. How did you, I guess, you know, we're talking about, you know, a lot of times, yes, she's laser focused, right? Cause they're going through the treatment. I mean, when you went to that room, obviously, you know, the cup, right. That's our contribution. But at the same time, we're, we're, we're standing there beside them throughout this whole process. How many embryos, how many little shots, everything that's going on. Did anyone ever ask you in the hospitals, you know, how are you doing from this? Because for me, nobody ever approached me when we got discharged for an embryo transfer or for even having the miscarriage. Nobody ever asked, how are you doing through this process? It was always about her being the patient. 
Yeah, no, same same scenario. I, throughout the process, the only people that asked how I was doing with it were my parents, my mom and my dad. I, I may have had a good friend throughout the process, but I don't remember anything off the top of my head. So yeah, uh, like you said, it was all it was focused on the female because their body's going through all those all those hormones and all those injections and all those appointments and you know it's it's obvious that they need support but i think it's not so obvious that a man could use support so i agree with what you're saying the truth is it's not so obvious but i think we as men would appreciate being asked that question because mm-hmm. even though we might not show we might not cry we physically feel it you know, and that stress that involves whatever the resource is, we, we, we feel it every day. You know, I agree. So, someone just asked, how are you doing? I mean, a lot of people don't even know what to say. If you ask, talk to friends, family, you know, people say stupid things all the time on the internet and that causes triggers. I mean, there's so many triggers out there. Just the one question that someone could ask is, how are you doing with all of this? I mean, it's just mind blowing that people don't right. ask that question. Yeah, just one sincere question, right? Like if you sincere and and so I what I try to do, like I try to implement that my I like I try to implement that in my life. So I try to ask other people, specifically other guys, like when I know they're struggling with whatever it may be, infertility doesn't matter, marital issues, whatever, you know. I try to implement that because it's so simple, you know. And most guys will probably say I'm doing great, right? I'm doing fine. Uh, but just to know somebody cares about you uh, enough to ask would be very nice. It would be. Do you have any triggers still that going through the whole fertility loss? I mean, it, are there things that make you think about it more or, or just make you more stressed or unhappy? Um, honestly, the only thing I can think about is the conversation about doing it again. Um, so I think that's the only thing. Um, I, I, I honestly don't spend much time like in the past thinking about that stuff. Um, but thinking about doing it again. So we have two more embryos. We have two more viable embryos. Um, and, you know, you hear these stories about people doing IVF. They can't get pregnant the first time, so they do IVF. And then the second baby, they get pregnant naturally. Um, well, my wife doesn't feel right about, you know, we've got two viable embryos frozen. She doesn't feel right about creating those embryos and not using them. So she wants to do IVF again for the second baby. Um, and so, honestly, we're still dealing with a lot of hurt and pain from the first, you know, emotional stuff. Um, like I said, marital issues that have stemmed from that, that we still haven't worked all the way out. So thinking about doing it again is terrifying to me. So, so that would be the biggest thing that I, I, I'm concerned about. The, the biggest trigger that I deal with is just the pain that was caused and the hurt um, in our relationship specifically and going through that again before we fully healed and learned from the first time. I'm with you on that, especially since... Many people say that it is a trauma, and a lot of times the women are on a different page than than the man, and they're saying, you know, I'm ready to have another child and go through it again, where the man is still traumatized by, 
the last cycle and not really ready to go go for it again so i can understand like the the trauma and the stress and just thinking about how it's gonna like how the heck are you gonna do this you know again like if you're not ready you're not ready like people have to people have to be on the same wavelengths for this did you did you find that i don't know if you ever attempted therapy or going you know talking about it with with the professional did that help at all if you went down that route i did yeah i did so when we were going through the whole IVF process, I, uh, I actually used to be a counselor in a past life. And so I've got a lot and I've gone through a lot of counseling earlier on in my life dealing with some personal issues. So I've got a lot of experience with that. And I've seen the value that talking to somebody about your problems can bring. So when we're going through IVF and, and she and I are struggling in our, in our relationship, I wanted to do something together. You know, I wanted for us to go to couples therapy and she wasn't open to it. So I said, okay, I'll go by myself. And it ended up being really good. I went by myself for about, I think just under a year, about 11 months. I went and saw a therapist by myself just uh, twice a month. Um, And it was really good. She was a good therapist, but she, you know, important to make sure you're getting quality uh, treatment from your therapist, your counselor, whoever you're seeing, because, she didn't give me, she let me go and invent. So I was able to go and invent and get things off my chest, but um, she didn't give me too much really good advice. She just kind of let me vent and be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe your wife did that. And she was, you know, she was a, a woman in her fifties or sixties. And uh, so anyway, after a while I realized that I was like, okay, I'm not leaving here with much good. I just feel better because I'm getting stuff off. Now, since then, since we've had the baby, uh, my wife has, said she so we're in therapy together now and that's been really beneficial for both of us because um i'm a talker and she's not she has a difficult time opening up so to have that therapist there to kind of open her up has been really good for us and it's brought it's it's given us some healing for sure so i definitely think get someone you know if you need to pay a professional to talk to someone that's going to give you good advice and listen to your problems and absolutely do that because that's invaluable i'm really impressed that that you went by yourself because so many yeah. people say, I'm a guy. I don't want to talk to a therapist. I don't want to go. It's oftentimes the woman that's dragging the man into the therapy session. So the fact that you were able able to yeah. go on your own, I give you a lot, a lot of credit. Yeah, a little role reversal there. She doesn't want to go. I do. So Go figure. <laughs> Men think it's, yeah, it's, a, you know, therapy. What do I need that for? You know, I, eh, I don't want to sit around a room and say, how do I feel about that? Talk about my feelings and my emotions and try to interconnect yeah. and sort out the problems. So really, therapy can be really helpful, especially when working through this. You know, it can give you different tips, different ideas, different suggestions, and really work through it because it is stressful. It's not easy. You know, and it can either... Yeah. It can either make you stronger or break you down. That's how, fortunately, how it's happened, how it works. Yeah, and in that breaking you down makes you stronger. See, I don't, I don't know if it was the way I was raised or what, but I'm like, man, if there's a way that I can feel better, I'm gonna do it. You know, I'm gonna do whatever it takes. If it's going out and running five miles a day, so I feel better physically, or if it's I go and like talk about my feelings for an hour every two weeks so I can feel better. I'm going to do it. If there's a way 
to make my life easier and better, I'm going to do it. So, um, yeah, I think for her, it's a Southern thing. She's raised in a Southern family where you don't talk about your, and I'm from the South too, originally. We're both from Florida. So when I was younger, it was like that. You don't talk about your problems. They're your problems. You keep them between, or, you know, you keep them to yourself, your family. You don't tell anybody because it's nobody's business. Well, then earlier on in life, I started making a bunch of bad decisions. <clears throat> My life went down a bad, a bad path. And uh, I got to a breaking point and that's when I got some help with what I was dealing with. And that help was therapy and counseling. And, and I, I grew so much through that process that I learned how valuable that time is spending that time with a professional kind of still in your guts. So yeah, highly recommend it. Highly. Yeah. Is it, you know, to, to our listeners out there, Chris is sharing very, very important, important advice. Remember, you're not alone going through this. If you need professional help, get it. It can only help you mm-hmm. and not hurt you. And remember, you're right. not alone. Everybody potentially has gone through it. One four pregnancies ended in a miscarriage. One eight couples struggle with infertility. One 160 births ended in a stillbirth. And one in a thousand babies die of SIDS every year. So it's popular. It's, a, it's happening. It's, it's a club that... You know, unfortunately, we're all chosen for, but it makes us stronger. We're here from you to talk to you, to help you through it. And please reach out to us so we can help you through it and, and give you tips and advice. And this way, you won't struggle and suffer in silence. Chris, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was great having you. And uh, everyone, you know. Absolutely, man. It's my pleasure. I'm sure Chris or myself or anyone going through it, you know, we'd be happy to help you through. So feel free to reach out. Right. Absolutely. You've just listened to another great episode of Men Talk with Daniel Landau. If you've suffered from miscarriage, infertility, stillbirth, or infant loss and want to open up about it, reach out. We'd love to have you on the show. You can also join our Facebook group, or if you'd like to get involved and start a chapter in your neighborhood, visit our website, www.menshelpline.org today. Until next week, stay strong, and remember, you're not alone.